Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. This series is called Trust Fund. Where do you put your trust? Now, let me give you this disclaimer. I am not a financial guru. I'm not about to spend the next 30 minutes telling you what you should do with your money. What I am here to do is teach the Bible and what God's Word says. So... We're all on a journey. We will be taking some time throughout the series to get people who do have an expertise in this area to share. Mark my words, we want to practically give you tools to live this thing out. But that's not going to be me, okay? So if you think I'm going to stand here and tell you like all my financial success secrets, I'm not. I'm not. It's, it's not going to happen. But we are talking about trust issues today, okay? So let's start with the text. I'm going to read a big portion of text, and then we're going to get into it. We're in Matthew 6. Surprise, surprise. This is an age-old passage about our trust issues. So you can follow along right here on the screens. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. For you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles or the people of this world seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. He's not saying you don't need them. 
He's saying, I know you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Now, I want to talk about a trust fund, okay? I know the word of God just preached my whole message, so really we could go home. Because if we actually believed that, that would be enough. But we don't, and that's okay. I don't. Many times I have to bring myself back to this and go, oh yeah, why am I an anxious ball of worry? Okay, but I want to talk about a trust fund. So a trust fund is a place where assets and money are put aside that will be distributed to beneficiaries. Now, unless you're wealthy, which some people are, you and I may never experience what it's like to have a trust fund here on earth. Okay, You and I may not have parents that left us an inheritance of millions of dollars that by the time we turn 18, we get to now access and live off of. Many times, trust funds are reserved for the wealthy who have assets and inheritance. And this is something that you can believe for and build towards in your physical life but what if I told you that as a child of God, you had a trust fund in heaven in your name that you could access by faith when you needed it? But you don't believe it because it's not in your bank account. I understand. But what Jesus just told me is that my father in heaven has got it covered. And what if I told you that you and I had a trust fund in heaven, that as a child of God, we, you became a beneficiary of, that you could access by faith. And are you ignoring it and pretending like it doesn't exist and pretending like your entire life hinges on you? I'll tell you what, this series, we're going after the jugular. Not just in this church, in this city. The devil wants to keep poverty ruling and reigning in your life. Our God is not a God of poverty. I don't know if you noticed that. He came that you would have life and more life and abundant life. You have access to a heavenly trust fund that you can only access by faith. Are you aware of it? Every single one of you is getting a gift today. You know the thing we all wish would happen where we get a knock on our door and it's a lawyer in a suit with an envelope saying, you have a long lost relative that died. And funnily enough, they left you their entire estate. 
and they hand you a check for, I don't know, $20 million, you know you're getting that today. You're getting access to a heavenly trust fund. Only you need to have faith to access it. So I understand some of you are much smarter than me and you're like, yeah, okay, thanks, Rach. We live in the real world. You can go live in princess fairy supernatural land. You, you signed up for the wrong religion because this is about a supernatural kingdom with supernatural things that can happen on a daily basis. Now, if you're not a Christian and you're not a child of God and you want to do it the world's way, listen, all hail King Economy, all hail King Dollar, all hail Justin Trudeau. Knock yourself out. I'm not going to put my trust in that. I'm going to put my trust in my Heavenly Father. Who is your trust in? All hail King Self, not me. No thanks. I grew up, the worry, the panic, the scheming, I'm done with that. I can't live like that anymore, you know? Matt and I have been talking about this. Everywhere we go, we hear conversations. The rent, the housing costs, interest rates. How am I ever going to own a house? How am I ever going to get ahead? Maybe I should move far away so that it's cheaper for me to live. Or maybe I should just, you know, I can't rent for the rest of my life. Absolutely not one of the statements that I just made has anything to do with the kingdom. Not one. And not one minute of this worry about interest rates and bank failures belongs to the children of God. Not one minute of that worry. Jesus just taught us that our trust fund is in heaven. And as a matter of fact, he said, don't be storing up all this stuff here on earth because guess what? Banks fail. Banks fail. You could put all your money in a bank. Guess what? Banks fail if you haven't noticed. They will lose all your money and owe you nothing. This isn't about not saving. This is about who do you have your trust in? Now, D.A. Carson, who I love, he's like a theologian and a professor. He said this about Matthew 6. He said, life in the kingdom is not simply a question. Oh, it's up here. Perfect. Life in the kingdom is not simply a question of crossing one hurdle or passing one test, followed by relative indifference to kingdom norms. Involved, rather, is that deep repentance which willingly orients all of life around these norms. Followers of Jesus comprehend that all of life is to be lived and all its attitudes are to be formed according to the perspectives of the kingdom. All of life, not just the areas that are easiest for us. All of life is oriented around kingdom norms. What Jesus just laid out in Matthew 6 is kingdom norms not Gentile norms. 
And I know that it's hard for us. And we're gonna, I'm going to be speaking on this in a few weeks. I'm going to be talking about the effects of socialism brainwashing on our minds and on our country. Because we have been raised from children to believe that, first of all, if I get ahead, I'm hurting somebody else. And that if we all would just live with the bare minimum, then the world would be a better place. And this Canadian norm literally drives our mentalities, our choices, our decisions. But we as followers of Jesus are supposed to let the kingdom drive our mentalities, our attitudes, our thoughts, our behaviors, our decisions. We don't realize how much culture has shaped the way that we look at finances. So I want to just remind you again that God is your trust fund, okay? He's your father in heaven and he owns everything on earth. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to give you two scriptures right now. Psalm 24, one through two. Get this in your spirit, okay? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it in the world and all who live in it for he founded on the seas and established it on the waters. This earth belongs to him. Your heavenly father who has a trust fund for you in heaven owns everything on this earth. How would your life change if you actually lived like that was true? The second scripture is Proverbs 13, 22, and it says the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous, which means that God owns their wealth too. And he's got no problem taking it and giving it to his righteous ones. This is who he is and how he works. Okay, so Rach, are you telling me that I don't have to be responsible with my finances? And then I can just call on my sugar daddy in heaven whenever I need him? No, I'm not. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about, okay? A dear friend showed me this a while ago when I was having a complete meltdown. And it's a concept, and it's called many different names, but it's called a circle of control or a wheel of influence. Now, I don't know if you can see this. But I've created a financial circle of control, okay? This is what I believe is biblical and sound, okay? Now, in psychology, they use this tool because many of us obsess over things that we have absolutely no control over. And we ignore the things that we actually can control. So let's look in the very center. The very center are things that you and I can control, okay? Our thoughts, our attitude, our behavior, our reactions, our decisions, our budget, where you live, what you spend, and what you save. All of those things are within your control. 
every single one of those things. Okay? Now, the second wheel are things that you can influence. So these are things that you're not, you can't necessarily control them, but you can influence the outcomes. Your community, you can influence, whether it's your church, your work, your neighborhood, you can influence it. You can influence where you work, okay? If you don't like where you work, you can look for another job. That's a freedom that you have, okay? Businesses that you start. If you want to start a business, you have complete influence over that thing, okay? And your financial goals. You have complete ability to influence your financial goals as a family. You can influence it, okay? You can't force those goals to happen. You can do your best, okay? This is not exhaustive, but it gives you a picture. And then we have the outside circle, which are things that are completely out of your control, okay? Monetary policy, high inflation, interest rates, unforeseen financial emergencies, stock market and investment values, currency wars, and the real estate market. You have zero control over any of those things. So why do I hear 90% of the conversation about money surrounding the entire outer ring of things that you and I have no control over? As humans, we love to obsess over the things we can't control instead of taking care of the things in the middle that we can control. Kingdom people focus on what they can control and they leave the rest to God. High inflation, not my problem. God's problem. The real estate market, not my problem. God's problem. God, if you called me to live here, you called me to be here, you're going to provide whatever it is that I need. This is a way of life that is going to tear down generations of poverty in your family line. It's going to tear down generations of poverty in this city and in this, in, in Ontario. It's like nobody believes they can be blessed. Nobody believes God wants them to be blessed. And we're all running around at every event and every birthday party and every this and every that. And all we're talking about is the interest rates and the economy and the this and the that. And God's like, man, I just want you to take care of your own backyard and just trust me. Let's go back to our text, Matthew 6. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Now, I want to clarify this. The laying up of things in and of itself is not wrong, okay? Jesus is not saying that having savings in your bank account is wrong, okay? That's a little bit. <laughs> but it's what you lay it up for that is where we can get a problem. So if you have laid out treasure for yourself here on earth, is that treasure surrendered to the will of God? 
If God comes along and says, see that savings account? I want you to give half of it to this. See that person? See that single mom over there? She needs a new car. I want you to take that savings and I want you to buy her a new car. If you can't be obedient with what you've laid up here on earth, it's open for the moths and the rust because it's in your heart where your motives are that you are judged for what you've been given by God. So if what you have laid up is surrendered to him, meaning he can ask for it, he can call on it, okay? And I'm talking about him calling on it. I understand there's many, many scenarios where you need to say no. Okay, there's people in your life that constantly ask you for money. You need to say no. I'm not talking about that, okay? Just get... Try and move all the trauma and all your preconceived and all your past aside. And I want you to think about right now. If God calls your number and says, I want you to give this amount of money, will you do it? If you won't, your treasures are laid up for the things of this world. Nobody's even saying he's going to do it. But if he was going to do it, would you obey? That's where it all comes down to. Because goals, possessions, and treasures become wrong when they take the place of God's kingdom in your life, when they supersede your obedience, okay? Let's move on to the next section. Jesus goes off on what seems like a tangent about the eye being the lamp of the body. Who is confused when we read that part? Like, what does this have to do with anything else? He talks about laying up treasures and he goes into this weird thing about the eye and then he goes back and says, you can't serve two masters, okay? We speak English and that's our problem, okay? So in Greek, where this was written, when Jesus says, if your eye is healthy, the actual language there is if your eye is singularly focused, Okay? That's what it means. It's about priorities. It's about focus. Jesus is saying, if you don't keep your eye focused on me, your eye will wander into darkness. Your eye will wander into the things. Of, this is why he sums it up and says, you can't serve two masters. You can't be focused on two things at once. That's what he's saying. You keep your focus, your singular focus on me and my kingdom. And the minute you try and split your focus is the minute that that darkness, that way of the world, that thing just creeps in. I'll reread it again so that you understand. The eye is the lamp of the body. What he's saying is what you focus on controls your entire body. So when I'm walking in a direction, I'm beelining it for a direction, okay? I want to show you this. It's very hard for you to walk. I'm going to walk towards this computer, but I'm going to focus on Jane. What do I look like right now? Do I look committed to where I'm going? Do I look, do I look committed to where I'm going? 
oh, Jesus, I'm following you, but I'm also staring at that news headline, and I'm also staring at that real estate market, and yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, but I'm also, I'm also looking at that. Nobody believes you. You're talking out of one side of your mouth, and your body's moving in a completely different direction. This is what he's talking about. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You pick a focus, and that's where you head. When it comes to navigation and ships and planes, even a couple degrees can completely change your destination. This is what he's talking about. If you let your focus divert for even a second, your destination will end up different. This is what he's talking about. If your eye is healthy, if your eye is focused, your whole body will be focused, okay? Keeping your body healthy means keeping his way your focus. When we lose focus, fear, worry, anxiety, and the ways of this world begin to consume. I don't know one person that's minorly anxious about what's happening in the world. Because as soon as we start to go there, it just consumes everything. He wraps it up and says, no one can serve two masters. You can't be focused on two things at once. You don't get your way and the kingdom way. You don't get to do your own version. It doesn't work that way. So then he wraps it up here with a whole section about not being anxious. So why are we so anxious all the time? Why are we worried? Why are we worried? You know, Pastor Matt was saying to our team, he's been wanting to do this legacy offering, which is designed to be sown into our city, into our community, into our kids' ministry. He's been wanting to do this for years. And every time he's gone to do it, God's like, nope, nope, not now, not now. <laughs> And over this last season, there's bank failures. The interest rates are through the roof. People are panicking. Everybody we talk to is worried about finances. God's like, how about now? You think we don't know? You think we're not aware of what's happening in the world? God's like, do you trust me? Anybody can trust me when they have everything they want. What does it cost someone who has a million dollars to give a hundred dollars? It costs everything if someone has eight dollars and they give the whole eight dollars. It's not about the money, it's about the obedience. I'm not surprised that God wants to do this offering in this season because He wants to break loose kingdom in your life the heavenly trust fund. He's like, hello, I own it all. When are you going to trust me? He says, the people of this world worry about what they're going to wear and what they're going to eat. But if you seek first my kingdom and righteousness, all of these things are going to be taken care of for you. Our job 
is to seek him, to keep our eyes focused on him, on his kingdom. His job is to take care of us. It's his job. Your job is to do everything within your control, which means if you can work, work. Work is holy. If you can work, you should be working. Okay? That's something you can control. Running a budget and not just letting money go and fly wherever it wants to go in the wind. That's your responsibility. God made you a steward. He made you a steward. Okay? Everything else, whether you ever own a home, whether the real estate market ever goes in your favor. I don't have the answer to that, but God does. You know, when Pastor Matt and I sold our house last year, we went backwards. We sold our house and then we rented. Huh. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head. Jesus wasn't a homeowner. And the Holy Spirit said to me, where you lay your head is not your responsibility. I'm taking care of it. You don't need to worry. When Jesus sent out his disciples, you know what he said? Don't take anything. Don't take your savings. Don't take a sword. Don't take anything. I want you to trust me completely on this journey. He was trying to build kingdom into them. Wherever you go, God's going to provide because you're doing my work. You're doing my will. Every time you go into your business, and you care for it, and you care for your employees, and you love the people, and you serve the community, you are doing God's work. He will take care of you. D.A. Carson said this one more thing. He said, followers of Christ have a distinct lifestyle characterized by values and perspectives that are so unearthly that our lives and conduct are stamped all over with the words made in the kingdom of God. This is what we're called to have is a life that is so unlike this world that people look at it and go, how, how did that happen? How did that happen? Some of you know this story. We sold that house. And within two months, we got a phone call from Matt's uncle saying, we want to give you our church. We sold our physical family's home and we gained another church family home. I can't explain why. I can't explain the timing of that. But when God's working in our lives, he can do whatever he wants if we let him. I'm going to ask Robin to come. I'm going to tell you one more story as we end today and read one more scripture. 
I'm just opening this series today. I'm not necessarily going to be giving you, you know, take-home tools to put to work right now. I'm trying to unearth your trust issues, unearth that thing in you that thinks that the rules that apply to everyone in this world apply to you as a child of God. They don't. If you want to live as a slave to that system, be my guest. But you have access to a heavenly kingdom where God owns everything. And he has told us over and over and over again, trust me. And I don't know what that looks like in your life. It could look like starting to step out and be generous with the people around you. It could look like starting to tithe. It could look like giving in legacy offering. It could look like donating gift cards to city care. I don't know what that thing is for you, but the point is, will you trust him when he calls on you? The final scripture that I want to share with you, and it's all tied together, is in Proverbs. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10. And I don't, I'm, again, I'm not here to negate financial wisdom. I'm not telling you to be reckless. I'm not telling, remember our wheel of control, okay? I, I'm not saying that. But underneath it all, if what's motivating you and what your life is built on isn't trusting God, ultimately, you're setting yourself up for a split focus, and Jesus said that doesn't work. You're going to end up one way or the other. Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 10 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Let me read that again. Do not lean on your own understanding. It's not a solid foundation. It might feel real to you, but it's not a solid foundation. In all your ways, all your ways, remember, kingdom is orienting all your ways. Acknowledge him. Put him first in all your ways and he will make straight your paths. Be wise, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Some of us are weak and weary because we've been wise in our own eyes. And we've been letting our own understanding and the way of this world navigate our life. And scripture says that if you'll actually trust the Lord and turn to him, it's going to refresh your bones. It's going to give you a surge of life. And then funnily enough, he follows up with this last statement. Just in case we think he's talking about trusting him with everything but money. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Modern language, honor the Lord with all the money that you make, with the first fruits of everything that your work produces. 
Then, here's a promise, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. We honor him first and then he provides. We seek his kingdom first and then he adds all these things unto us. These are the promises from your Father in heaven, but it's contingent. We have to trust him. We have to stop leaning on our own wisdom and our own understanding and our own logic and our own, you know, assessment of what's happening in the world and realize that he owns it all. He has access to it all, which means you and me as children of God have access to it all. I'm going to tell you a very simple story to end this. Pastor Matt and I really felt convicted in the early part of this year. I'm going to get vulnerable and real with you. We felt really convicted personally about debt, about living on credit cards and living beyond our means and racking up debt and this type of lifestyle. And the Holy Spirit really spoke to us. It was like, this is not for you. And we made a commitment as a family, got rid of all the credit cards, they're gone. And we said, God, you're our overdraft. You're our overdraft. We knew that it was going to be a sacrifice because it was going to take time and time and time to build up enough savings to cover for the emergencies and the unforeseen things that can happen in our lives. You know, our car breaks down multiple times or we get a health diagnosis and the medication costs $40,000 a year. But we knew that we needed to do it. And so March came along this past March and all hell broke loose in our finances. I know you don't know what that feels like. <laughs> all the unforeseen things come out and this happened and then this happened and then we needed this and then this happened and this happened and it got to the point where it was so overwhelming and Pastor Matt was like well at this point we just got to trust God and this is what we do as a family. When it starts getting outside that wheel of our control, that's the trust God zone. Okay? The trust, trust God zone. Oh, maybe you need a copy of that wheel so that you can remind yourself, oh, we're going into, we're going into territory that I can't control. This is trust God zone. That simple. So you know what I did? I felt compelled. I pulled up my Google spreadsheet. I pulled up my budget. And I made a note in my budget. And this is at the very beginning of the month and I'm forecasting for the end of the month. And I'm like, we're going to be in the negatives this month. And I don't want to leave one month and go into the next month in the negatives. I don't want that. That's something I can influence. Okay. That's a goal that I have. But we're going to be in the negatives. I took out my spreadsheet and I typed the amount of money that we needed to not be in the negatives. And on the income line, 
I wrote, God, come through. So simple. That was literally all I had. Outside of going and starting to sell furniture and do things, like we did everything we could do. We both work full time. This was out of our control. I put the amount in the income line and I said, God, come through. That was my option. A few weeks went by, nothing happened. And uh, we ended up going to West Virginia for March break. Did I even mention my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law are here? Guys, I'm sorry. Pastor Matt's mom, Gwen, is here and his sister, Michaela, is here. We had a family uh, bridal shower this weekend. So we go to West Virginia and we're there and it's Sunday and it's Monday and it's Tuesday and on Wednesday in typical dad fashion, he came to Matt a few hours before the Wednesday night service and said, I want to give you and Rachel this service. Just you take it, you do it. So we're like, all right. So I start picking the songs for the worship set list and Matt's trying to find a message to speak and we do the Wednesday night and his dad comes and takes an offering for us. And um, the end of the night, somebody walks up to Matt and gives him a, we call it a holy handshake. There was a $100 US bill in the person's hand as they shook his hand. The next morning, uh, Matt's parents came and said, you know, this is what came in the offering. And we both looked at each other. The amount that came in the offering plus the $100 US bill with the exchange that day was the exact amount of money that I had written in my budget, God come through. Let me tell you something. I got a trust fund in heaven and I have to access it because in this season of our lives, we don't have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in the savings account. And you know what? I'm not beating myself up about that. We're working towards it. That's our goal. But we haven't been able to get there with what's happened to us in our finances. So you know what? God's my overdraft. To the dollar amount with the exchange rate, do not tell me that that is not a miracle. If he can do it for me, he can do it for you. And some of you need to start writing in your budget, God come through. At the end, I'm like, dang it, I should have put a higher amount in that thing. <laughs> Shoot, that actually worked. But God's good. And I want to encourage you, don't ignore your heavenly trust fund. Don't ignore it. By faith, you're faithful, you're giving, you're building his kingdom, you're working hard, you're doing what you can for your family. He will take care of the rest. He will do it. We just got to let him. We can't have our eyes going in two different directions. It's not even natural. 
try having one eyeball look that way and the other one look that way. It's hard. I can't even do it. Guess what? It's because we never were meant to do it. We were meant to focus. Let's pray today. If you would, I'm just going to release blessing, faith over your life. I want you to, just in your seat, by yourself, I want you as an act of obedience, if you need access to your trust fund in heaven, if you need an overhaul in this area of your life, I want you to surrender. Use your hands, use your mouth, use your heart. Father, would you come and move into every single heart that is saying, I need this. I need your kingdom first in my life. I need an overhaul. I need to release the fears and the worries of this world. God, I need to set my focus on you. God, we repent, which means we just turn the other way. We turn our backs on the ways of this world. And we want to orient our entire lives around your kingdom. God, would you move and start to move during this series in supernatural ways where people put you on the line and you show up, where we trust in you like never before, where we actually believe that like your word says that you know everything that we need and you're faithful. You're faithful to fulfill it, God. I ask that you would show up, show up in the form of jobs, show up in the form of unforeseen blessings. Speak to us, use us to meet needs in the people around us. As we're here, you can keep your eyes closed, but God used our in-laws and my in-laws and that church to fulfill a need in our lives that they didn't even know about. And listen, not every time do we go down there that Matt speaks. It's not like a guarantee. It's just something that happens every once in a while. There are some of you in here that God wants you to be a supernatural need meter for someone else. And I pray that after today that our eyes would be ripped open and our ears would be so sharp to hear you say, this person needs help. This person needs you. Step into this situation. God, we want to be conduits for your blessing. We don't want to access our trust fund in heaven just for ourselves, but so that it can pour out into our community, into our families, into our neighbors. God, I thank you that over this next season of this trust fund series, that the spirit of poverty is going to be broken, that it is going to be pushed back over this area over this church that there will be no more scheming there will be no more striving 
that there's going to be open doors and open opportunities and your blessing poured out over this next season as we go deeper and farther in trusting you. We thank you today. We praise you. You are good, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And last, I just want to give you an opportunity if you're in this place and you've never said yes to Jesus and you've been bombarded by worry and anxiety and what's going on in this world. You have an opportunity today to say yes to being a child of God, to stepping into your new identity, to walking in a new purpose. And if that's you today, I want you to just raise your hand. We're going to pray for you. I want you to connect with our team at the end. We have Bibles to put into your hands so that you can start reading and knowing what God says. Let's pray today all together with the people who are here and agree with them. Say, Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my life. I believe that you came, you died, and you rose again so that I could be a child of God, so that I could be free from sin, free from shame and the weight of this world. God, move into my life and take over. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.